short skirts and a long scripture, where we discuss and create a space to heal from religious trauma. Hi, friends. Welcome back to Short Skirts Long Scripture Podcast. I'm Cass. I'm Hannah. Today, we have a guest with us. Welcome, guest. Oh, hello. My name is Marky. Thanks for joining us today. We're really excited to hear your story. Oh, yes. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. So, okay. For starters, what would you consider the group that you were involved in? And can you tell us what group you were involved in? Uh, so I grew up as one of Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, me personally, I consider them to be like a doomsday cult, essentially. But officially, they're considered to be a non-Trinitarian, millenarian, um, restor restor restorationist uh, Christian denomination. Um, like at best, I think they could be considered as a religion with cult-like characteristics. Wait, can you define that terminology that you just rattled off with <laughs> no effort? <laughs> what was right. it? Uh, so the non-Trinitarian part, that just essentially means that they don't believe in the Holy Spirit, God, and Jesus being all of one entity. They see God, the Holy Spirit, and J Jesus as like three separate entities. So that's kind of where they, yeah, stray a little bit from some um, dominations of mainstream Christianity. Um, the millenarian part, um, so that comes from once Jehovah clears the old system, which is kind of defined as a system that we live in today, um, Jehovah will eventually stall a new world in which only Jehovah's Witnesses that have called upon Jehovah's name will be able to live and thrive in. They get to live in that for 1,000 years. Um, along with the Jehovah's Witnesses that are saved after the Great Tribulation, um, are also all of the people who have died before the Great Tribulation started and were then resurrected. So they live for that for 1,000 years, so the millenarian part. Um, after 1,000 years, Jehovah releases Satan from his prison of some sorts, and Satan will test all the people that are living in the new world. And those who don't pass will be destroyed, and then everyone else will get to live forever. And that, that's where the restore, restorationist, I cannot say that word. That's where that word uh, comes from. We grew up in a cult and I've never heard those words before in my life. Those were Cassie, big words. Cassie, we were a monotheistic <laughs> Trinitarian system. There you go. See, we didn't call <laughs> okay, it that yeah. though. <laughs> monotheistic meaning one God, Trinitarian yeah. meaning he is the Trinity versus a Jehovah's apparently non-Trinitarian. Now I understand they don't believe in the Trinity. Ah, okay. Yeah. yeah. There gotcha. You go. Okay. So it's similar to Christianity with what sounds like per the Christianity we were raised in, some major differences. Like to the core yeah. belief. <laughs> yeah. Um so it got started in the 1870s. Um, a man named Charles Taze Russell started started writing uh, Watchtower publications uh, about how he believes that the Bible should be interpreted 
um, he started to amass a group called the Bible Students. And in 1914, they officially became known as Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, and that's kind of how the doctrine itself was born. Um, and during that time, I don't know the exact history, but during that time, there were quite a bit of like strayaways from mainstream Christianity and kind of just sprinkling of the beliefs of Jehovah's Witnesses today in there. That's a fairly new religion, honestly. Yeah. yeah I gotta watch it kind of sounds yeah. like from almost like if you compare it to the base belief of how like the Mormons got their Bible or whatever, like their mm-hmm. prophet or went out into the desert and got really hot and wrote a book kind of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got to watch out for them. Religions created in the 1800s. I know it's crazy. (laughs) They were just all here we are. Okay. So can you talk about some of the cult like characteristics that you recognize from the Jehovah's Witness? So there are kind of like two main categories that I would put these characteristics in. One is with the doctrine itself. And I would kind of define that as um, teachings that essentially put fear into you to make sure that you don't doubt the religion then the other camp of characteristics I would call organizational or physical. Those are would be like the excommunication or disfellowshipment, um, limiting of who you should talk to, even if that includes family members that like aren't part of the religion. Um, and then there's kind of like other things that like you have to do to like try to make yourself different from the rest of the world. So no saluting the flag, um, no celebrating holidays, birthdays, like no voting. Um, and the, the other kind of one, like this one's kind of like offhand, but it's kind of a major one that um, I almost forgot about, but Jehovah's Witnesses are also allowed to take in blood transfusions, um, which has unfortunately caused a lot of Jehovah's Witnesses to lose their life over needing extra blood in their body. But, you know, it's against their religion to take that in. Wait, is there okay? I I feel like I need to ask a base level question. Coming from Christianity and hearing about this, that's kind of like a started with Christianity and then changed into something else. Do do they take all of their information of where the rules and what they believe and everything is that taken from a specific religious text? Um, so they claim that everything is from the Bible. Um, with that, they do write their own specific translation. Um, they're, they use a new world translation. Um, Job's witnesses are allowed to reference other Bibles, but they're not supposed to exclusively use, um, other translations. Um, so I, I, I haven't read too many translations of other Bibles. So it's kind of hard to say like how much of it is scriptural versus how much of it kind of came from interpretation. Um, I kind of start to figure it out as I like learn about other uh, Christian denominations, but overall I'm still kind of unsure exactly like what's biblical, what is New World Translation because the Jehovah's Witnesses wrote it. Yeah. As you're telling me these things of like what they believe and things you can't and can do, I'm like, that is not 
in the Bible. So now I'm questioning, like, where did they get the reasoning for that? But it sounds like there's a specific translation of Bible. So, like, somebody decided to put stuff in the Bible that maybe wasn't there or somebody took stuff out or something. I don't know how familiar you are um, with this. Yeah, so, like, as far as I'm aware, like, usually when I did see another translation and I would, like, just out of curiosity compare one random scripture to the yeah. other, for the most part, it looks the same, different language. Um, okay. So I guess, like, kind of with that, I suspect a lot of it comes from there's kind of, like, reaches and interpretation and mm -hmm. so like they'll kind of like reach two different parts of the bible and try to combine it sometimes and then oh. claim like oh this means that you're not supposed to take in blood transfusions um trying to think of Which an example like did you want to talk about any of the doctrine that stands out to you uh yes um i would say kind of the like in my opinion like one of the most damaging doctrines um, I, I mean, at least for me personally, um, is the idea that at any given second, God is going to end this current system of things. And that wouldn't be so bad if that didn't mean like all the rest of like non-Jehovah's Witnesses are going to be killed off also, because it essentially puts you into the state of if something didn't feel right, you did not want to question it because if you questioned it, well, then you might be destroyed for questioning it. Um, so it is, it kind of like the way it was taught itself just kind of like forced you to stay inside this box because it like going outside the box is scary or like, you know, you don't want to lose your life or, oh no, I'm the only one who died, but the rest of my family gets to live forever. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. That's a scary doctrine to be teaching your children there, friends. Around like ages eight to 10 ish, it did cause me a lot of nightmares. I, I would kind of just wake up in the middle of, of like, of the night just like oh no like kind of like wondering like if i was still like oh no it's like the great tribulation happening like did i was i like being too doubtful like was i not believing enough okay i see in our show notes here that you said you used a term called disfellowshipment and i'm assuming this is related to if you disagreed with the doctrine or the cultural teachings can you go into that a little bit yeah so i mean disfellowship may can occur because of disagreement with the doctrine but it could also occur because of a multitude of things a lot of like a lot of people get disfellowship for example having sex before marriage or marrying a wordly person which is a non-jehovah's witness um being friends with non-jehovah's witnesses especially like if the elders of the congregation um think that their ways are rubbing off on you mm -hmm. um and then of course you could also get disfellowship if like they happen to found out you took a blood transfusion or um they found that you were oh you're celebrating birthdays or leading like what they call like a double life they'll disfellowship you because like the the idea is all right if we remove you from the congregation now there's no risk of you like infecting anyone else with like oh. worldly ideas or Okay, but how would they find out all of this information so you could possibly get what what's the phrase again? Disin yeah, disenfellowshipped. They're very big on teaching us about like your conscience. So 
essentially like if you feel like you've committed sin, it would make you feel bad enough to tell on yourself. Uh, so that, that's actually a pretty common way for people to get disfellowshipped. The other way is if, if someone else happens to find out through any means, so like maybe sometimes like in more rare cases, the parents themselves will say, Hey, my child is sinning. And then the elders kind of goes go from there. The child is sinning. <laughs> yeah. That seems a little extreme. <laughs> yeah. One of my relatives ended up being disfellowshipped, apparently for having premarital sex, but apparently like this relative never had premarital sex. So um, I don't remember, like it was, it was just like another person in the congregation. It wasn't even necessarily someone that this relative was very close to. So like sometimes people, like there's kind of like almost like a culture of like just like eyes and ears everywhere or like Jehovah's always watching. And so that means also other people's congregation are always watching. And so it kind of just also, that's also kind of like another factor that just keeps everyone on their toes, so to speak. So I guess my question is, what does disfellowship mean? Does it just mean they say you can't come to church anymore? What does it mean? So that essentially means no other Jehovah's Witnesses are allowed to talk to that individual. Disfellowship persons can still come to the Kingdom Hall, but they cannot talk to anyone at the Kingdom Hall. Uh, the Kingdom Hall is the Jehovah's Witness word for church. They don't like when their Kingdom Hall is called a church for whatever reason, but um, I guess they just need to be different. <laughs> this often also includes family members. So a lot of people who have been disfellowshipped, they lose their entire social circle. Um, and I, I guess like, what makes it so bad is when you get baptized as one of Jehovah's Witnesses, they tell you that you cannot associate with worldly people. So by the time someone does get to scholarship, they don't, they don't, they have no social network to rely upon because, well, they lost all the Jehovah's Witnesses because they're not allowed to talk to them. And then, um, well, they lost all their wordly friends from saying like, hey, I'm one of Jehovah's Witnesses. Sorry, I can't talk to you anymore. So this feels like a good time to ask you, how did you get involved with this community? Like, what's your background with this community? I was born into um the religion to jehovah's witness parents uh, my dad was baptized at 26 years old and my mom she was primarily raised in the religion from a younger age she was baptized at 13 years old my dad is disassociated from the jehovah's witnesses meaning that he said like hey i don't want anything to do with you guys anymore and if you don't talk to me, that's okay. So growing up in this group, did you ever experience anything or have any experiences maybe that led you to have any doubts in maybe this community that you were born into? A lot of it. So it's very hard for me to pinpoint exactly when I started to question the doctrines. Like I, like it started around like maybe when I was even like seven years old. I think that's kind of like I started to have nightmares like around from ages eight to ten because I felt like I, I was like I was kind of questioning it, but I was also like, but what if I do get destroyed for questioning? Well, yeah, it? you're a child. Yeah, I guess kind of the things that started to really up the ante for me questioning the religion was like the idea that. Jehovah would destroy any non-Jehovah's witness because it was kind of like, well, I just happened to be fortunate enough to be born into this religion. And it's kind of told that, well, if worldly people get destroyed by Jehovah, it's their fault because when Jehovah's witnesses knock on the door, they should have been receptive. 
And I'm thinking, well, like we're not receptive to Mormons and you know, the Mormons, Mm. I'm not exactly 100% sure of what they believe, but like, maybe we go to hell for not being Mormon, but we can't like, I just happen to not be born Mormon, but if Mm -hmm. I was born Mormon, then I guess I would somehow be saved if I continue to go along with it. I I think that was kind of like the, that was kind of one of the major things. I was also kind of thinking about, well, the rates in which Jehovah's Witness, there are new Jehovah's Witnesses, it's much slower than the rate of the general world population. Like that's growing much more, much faster than, yeah. So it's like, well, and the longer that Jehovah waits to get rid of the the old system, that means he has to kill more people, but apparently Jehovah doesn't want to kill people. So it doesn't, it seems like they're kind of, uh, those, the the logic isn't logicking. Yeah. Also a point that I had, and this can be off topic too, which is interesting. You said that you guys don't, aren't like receptive to Mormons or whatever, when they are kind of doing the same thing as like Jehovah's Witness, they like knock on people's doors. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had like when you were still like in that eighteen and under being a Jehovah's Witness? Did you guys ever have Mormons knock on your door and try to be like, "Let me tell you what you <laughs> what we believe"? <laughs> did that ever happen? Yeah, it it did actually, and we would the funny the thing that was funny is like that? we would honestly the same way that wordly people were like, "No, sorry, I'm not interested in closing yeah, the door." I'm my good. my dad was a lot more like, "No, we have the truth. Go away." Like oh. my dad doesn't believe it anymore, but like at the time, he was like, "Go away." <laughs> but well, like we do the same thing. <laughs> did you in the Jehovah's Witness? Did you see anything? Um, it says in our show notes. Maybe you want to talk about like the kind of stereotypes that you guys had or standards that were set for men, women, children in the Jehovah's Witness? Males were like, were definitively valued more than females for leadership roles. In fact, females Mm. weren't allowed to take any sort of leadership roles. Mm -hmm. Um, The only official titles females were allowed to have um, was related to pioneering, which is um, like a sort of status attained if you agree to go on field service or knock on doors for a certain number of hours per month. Yeah, so only males could be elders, only males could be circuit overseers or district overseers, which that makes up, circuits and districts make up the congregations. I I guess it is kind of interesting though, because females do make up quite, there are definitely more females or women in the Jehovah's Witnesses than there are males. So that that actually, why I'm not entirely sure. I would say there are, I don't know if it makes up a majority whatsoever, but there are quite a number of women who they joined the Jehovah's Witnesses after they were married, like as worldly people, but their husbands didn't join along with them. Oh, okay. Like it's still allowed to, like if you were married before you joined, you became a Jehovah's Witness, and then you join in, you're you don't have to like divorce your husband. Um, I guess it kind of brings up another point of how divorce is not allowed in the Jehovah's Witnesses, and only under two conditions: if your partner cheats on you, or if your partner, well, that's not divorcing. The only the only grounds for divorce is if your partner cheats on you, and you can only remarry if your partner cheats Infidelity. on you, or if your partner dies. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but that has brought up a lot of issues on its own because 
there are quite a number of women that had domestic violence issues. But even when they bring those issues up to the elders, elders say like, well, you just need to try to fix it as if that's connected, be fixed. But no, no, no divorcing or you you might get disfellowshipped. Now you can't talk to anyone. Well, and you were telling me too something about um, in regards to like the domestic violence and you know grounds for divorce or whatever too about this um was it the two witness rule oh um yeah so that one is more so related to sexual assault i mean a lot of this unfortunately relates to children but if there is a report of child sexual abuse um and there was not a second witness for it it essentially didn't happen um, Jehovah's Witnesses are actually fighting some legal battles, uh, with the Australian Royal Commission over this as well, because essentially what would happen is someone says like, Hey, I think someone assaulted my child. And it's like, well, was there a se- second mm. witness? Well, no, of course there's probably not going to be a, Never second, a witness. second witness. Right. These names of people who did sexually assault children would get added to a database and um the elders of that congregation would keep those would keep like a name of those databases um i don't know if like that was for like if it happened again like would that be considered the second witness or if it was it had to be two witnesses for one instance um but i think the job's witnesses the job's witnesses are i think there's another country in which they're um, going through some legal battles. I cannot name it right now, but I know Australia was one of them. Um, and I've, I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure there might have been some sort of modifications to that rule, like whether it even exists anymore. Um, I'm not entirely sure because there was there were quite a bit of recent changes over the last few months. So it sounds like children have no voice. What what is what does it look like for children then? When you were a child, what was it like for you? Being a child wasn't as difficult as being a teenager. Being a teenager was much okay. more difficult. But I would say to be completely like super boring. Um, <laughs> we would okay. have two. So let's see. We had two two-hour meetings per week, and then we had a one-hour um, Bible study on another day of the week. Um, it's but it's really much it's very much geared for adults so like there's no like playgrounds for the children to play on like during the sessions or anything like you're supposed to sit still uh oh it was so it was so hard (laughs) i remember Um, when we were in church and it would be like if you're in church with the adults you have to be quiet and invisible and still and respectful and pious (laughs) ah Yeah, for the most part, I didn't have too much trouble with it. Although there are quite a bit of other Jehovah's Witnesses that said like that was a really big struggle for them because a lot of times like like we all know like of the kid who got brought into the bathroom so they could get a series of spankings for not being still enough and whatnot. Uh, Sometimes Mm -hmm. like based on some of the stories I've heard, like some of the spankings were not just spankings. Unfortunately, they went way too far with the discipline. That that was probably the worst. The Going to the meetings was the worst part of being a kid, just because it was so boring. 
do you want to briefly talk about it says the biggest expectation for you that had a negative impact was that you weren't allowed to make friends outside of your religion do you want to talk about that yeah so i would say this is something that became much more apparent of a struggle as i got older um so we were always told that you can only be acquaintances with worldly people you can't actually be friends in okay like the like elementary years was a little bit easier i did go to public school most of us witnesses are homeschooled but um my mom tried it for the first grade but it it, it was very demanding like like it, it was just kind of like hard for her to just kind of like juggle everything and teach me so i ended up going to public school but essentially i was like recess turned into break and like started to form um, I just found myself to be very isolated because I never mm. established myself with any sort of group out like outside of school. And a lot of these, like, I guess, kind of clicks at school were based upon who you hung out with outside of school. And I, I wasn't allowed to yeah. with anyone outside of school. Mm-hmm. Um, there, a lot of them were also based on extracurricular activities and I wasn't allowed to do those either. Um, the reason for that is, uh, like they believe that extracurricular activities, uh, distract away from Jehovah. So that was not allowed. So they didn't enjoy fun. Pretty much. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So in regards to maybe what Hannah and I would consider purity culture standard, um, or premarital sex or anything, did your group have rules or expectations in regards to anything like that? Like, of course, there's like the disfellowship bit for marrying outside the religion um, or dating outside the religion, etc. When it came to like standards of dress, uh, based on kind of like what I've been hearing, honestly, the Jones Witnesses sound a little bit easier on that, actually, because uh, we weren't really expected to wear dresses all the way down to our okay. ankles. Okay. We did have to make sure that they did not go above the knee. That was a big no-no. Um, right, right. And like, I don't think they were so hard on makeup or doing your hair and stuff like that either. But I guess like for me, it wasn't so much the dress or like the, the expectations for dress that bothered me. It was more of, I didn't want to look like a wordly person. So like, I didn't want to like okay. go through puberty essentially. Like, it's like, oh, oh no, yep. like boots are coming. No, 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 I can't have those. No, no, no. Because then I'll look like a yeah. wordly woman. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess kind of like a lot of that paranoia also came from when I was nine years old. I wanted to get my hair cut because my mom, she wears her hair in a bob and I wanted a bob haircut. Uh, my yeah. mom did, wouldn't allow me to have a bob, but she cut it down to shoulder length. And the next time I went to the Kingdom Hall, uh, a sister made a comment about how my haircut made me look so much older and that I need to be really careful about looking like women of the world. And I was like, Man, I just, I just, I just wanted you to cut my hair. There was too much of it. <laughs> and you just wanted to cut your hair. <laughs> like it, a lot of it wasn't so much like, don't wear too much makeup. Like mm-hmm. don't like wear a dress. Like it wasn't so much about like the dress itself. It was kind of more like, do you look too sexy? I guess. And like, I know that sounds really similar, but I think they were, they're probably a little bit more toned back. It just kind of like made me feel uncomfortable to walk around the kingdom hall because it's like, I don't want people to notice that 
I'm growing up essentially. Or like if people did make comments like that, it, it was always said in some sort of tone of like, oh, you're growing up. Okay. Well, I just make sure that you're not becoming like the rest of the world and make sure that, you know, you keep yourself chaste and clean. And it was just awkward a lot of the times, like for them to make any sort of comment. And like, it's not necessarily bad that they make the comments themselves. It's just the undertone that came with it. Are boys noticing you? And it's just like, you know, like, what's the point of that question? <laughs> like, what do you want? <laughs> Then they're just the creepy aunties asking questions that they shouldn't be yeah. asking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I guess that does bring up uh at one like this was kind of like the last year or so when I was trying to leave. Um, but at the time I was dating a guy that was not a Jehovah's Witness. By this point, I was in my senior year of high school and I had completely decided that I was not going to die for joining track or doing the future farmers right. of America or anything like that. The elders caught wind that I was seeing someone and let's see, I guess to put it in like a less like graphic terms, they, they were like, they were questioning my virginity. That's what, that's kind of how I wrote it down as like, they were questioning my virginity, like no sort of intercourse occurred but um oh, like they were still questioning like if like like depending on like whether or not I was a virgin that was going to dictate how much trouble my dad got in when I was in the middle of getting ready to leave my dad got punished by having his commenting rights taken away so he wasn't allowed to make comments during the meetings like in response to watchtower oh. study questions or anything like that and I, I, they primarily use that to try to get my parents to like, try to bring me back. And they would, they would mm -hmm. usually try to like, at the time, try to bring me back by studying some of the books in the watchtower with them. But it usually, unfortunately, usually only devolved into religious arguments. Um, there were mm -hmm. definitely much better ways I could have handled it. The reality is they, they were hurting. They were like in a world of hurt too. Um, Cause a lot of parents, when they lose their child to the world, if you know, using Job's witness terms, um, they go through a period of grief because that means at any given second, when Jehovah brings the great tribulation, that child is dying. And so if that child does not come back, those parents might as well consider that child to be dead. Well, also the fact that you mentioned that the whole fellowship meant but yeah. like you're cut off from talking like the church will the church kingdom hall whatever it's called like says you are not allowed to speak to this relative your daughter your son anymore because of that though right yes yes i don't think my parents were ever going to actually stop talking to me um i never got officially baptized so i could not be officially disfellowshipped um mm. which i think was actually Loopholes. pretty I, <laughs> yes <laughs> Yes, I am very, very glad I made that decision because I guess kind of the mm -hmm. other point I would emphasize, I did not have the worst time leaving. Like most other Jehovah's Witnesses okay. leaving had a significantly worse time than I did. Like, yeah, because I, I still had access to my parents. I still had access to my brother. Most other people, like they leave and that's pretty much it for them. That like in me joining the military, like right after, I didn't have to worry about like how I'm how I was going to find my social network and support anymore. Cause I just, at that point, mm -hmm. it's like, Oh, okay. I don't really have to think about it so much. Yeah. Yeah. A sister actually provided the gateway for me to leave because 
when I was around 16, I was like, oh man, like I'm pretty sure they don't have the truth. Um, I'm like, wow, how am I going to get out? Like, cause I, I was pretty afraid to get out for a while because like, I, I just didn't, I didn't want to make my parents look bad. I also, you know, cause I, I knew what would happen. I knew it, like, I just knew it was going to get a little bit messy, but essentially a sister would take me out regularly out on field service. And at one point she told me that I could tell her any of my doubts, any of my concerns, and she'll answer them to me and she'll make sure that she keeps them private. Lo and behold, she definitely did not keep them private. Um, as soon as she could not answer know. my questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, as soon as she couldn't answer my question, she came to my dad saying like, hey, you need to study with your daughter more. Like, this is serious. And then that's when my parents mm -hmm. would try to study with me. And it didn't really, unfortunately, didn't go over mm -hmm. well. And when things were not progressing in the way that the elders were hoping it would, that's when my dad lost his commenting rights. I guess kind of mm. like, and my, my dad kind of took the brunt instead of my mom, because uh, like, as you guys have mentioned earlier, like fathers are seen as like the head of the household. Yeah. Um, so it was kind yeah. of seen as his fault as to why I no longer believed in what the Jehovah's Witnesses were teaching. I have a question pertaining to your joining the military portion of this leaving story. Why did you choose to go into the Marine Corps as opposed to just like leaving, moving to a different city, getting yeah. a job maybe in town? Like, was it a a complete like separation for you? Like you were going to leave, leave and probably get sent far away kind of thing? The Marine Corps out of the other branches, I joined the Marine Corps because the recruiter who happened to reach out to me happened to be a Marine. So I was like, yep. I, I don't really care. Like, I just need to get out of here. Um, yep. So I I was kind of thinking about that when I was a teenager and I wasn't really sure what I actually really wanted to do even. Uh, like in terms of like, even like as a job, even if I were to just try to get a job in town, then the problem would be the elders constantly coming over to my parents' house in order to convince them that, hey, like your daughter needs to be a truth, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Cause the elders can be pretty consistent. Like they could be pretty, pretty persistent about that. Like, yes, they're bad about knocking on strangers doors, but if you're in the religion and they think you're leaving, right. oh boy, it's, it's bad. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> some people have even had to call the police on the elders to get them to stop coming back to their houses when they were in the process. Oh my gosh. Oh, um, and I, I really did not want to deal with that. I also, the town I grew up in wasn't the biggest town either. So like every once in a while, like you're at the store, you see another Jehovah's Witness and they know like what's going on with you and you know what they think of you. So it's just like, oh, okay, we see each other, but, um, I guess we're both going to go our own ways. <laughs> Um, and I kind of saw joining the military as just being able to restart, um, get away from <laughs> just like even the U.S. for a little bit, because, you know, I don't know how they're going to reach me over there. Uh, I guess we'll get into it later. But there was a point where they did technically reach me over uh, when I was in, over in Okinawa. But joining the military definitely made things much easier overall. Complete separation probably is the easier way to do that <laughs> yes definitely yeah so since joining the military and that's been several years since all that has happened what has your 
spiritual journey kind of look like unpacking, deconstructing from this since leaving? The first couple of years, I didn't think about it too much. My mind was just kind of on other things. Um, What kind of caused me to kind of look back a little bit was like I saw a legal update with the Australian World Commission talking about the two witness rule. And then I was also slated to take a critical thinking course for my job. Um, And part of that course was looking at series of documents and kind of like working to figure out like what is the objective of these documents or like what is the takeaway they want you to have. Uh, And that kind of that prompted me to go onto the Jehovah's Witnesses website and look back at how they uh, like modified like their language to achieve their objectives. And that's when I really, I did not realize how, like just how loaded the language they used really was. It's like, well, no wonder it's so hard to leave. Like, (laughs) um, like everything is just presented as this is the truth. We are better than everyone. We are the only ones being saved. Everyone else, you know, see you later, I guess. Well, not later. (laughs) So long, suckers. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my word. Yeah. So like Um, the first while you just didn't really think about it. And then you started to hear similar, like similar methods for training your mind from something else. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. That's kind of what got me to look back into it a little bit more. Um, At one point then I really, really started having to look back into it because um, I got a phone call from my brother while I was in Okinawa saying that the elders t- told him to take caution when talking to me. And the, I was sent into a whole mental frenzy because I was so worried that they were going to actually convince my brother to stop talking to me because uh, I, I was afraid they were going to convince him that I was bad association. Like looking back, that wasn't going to happen. But in my mind at that time, I was scared. Yeah, that was, I mean, like, there's kind of quite a bit else going on at the same time. Um, like, we were pretty loaded with work. Uh, your brother was leaving Island at the time. I was like, oh, I'm going to miss him. And I was just not okay. Uh, one day, like, I kind of just popped. And mm. I belligerently, like, just stormed out of work, just, like, cursing and everything. And I slammed the door behind me. Um, and I was going to walk off. But... Um, Staff sergeant, you know, calls, hey, devil. And when you hear that, you know, you're in trouble. So I turned around and mm-hmm. I, I thought I was being getting in trouble because I was being belligerent and cursing and everything. But uh, he's like, hey, Maureen, did you know that you shouted the front door? It's like, no, I did not. <laughs> yeah, I was pretty worried about that because I had just gotten promoted. And I was like, well, there goes my rank. We're getting busted back down to Lance Corporal and everything. But <laughs> Um, not terminal lance not anything but that yeah i was like oh man i just got promoted but um i got a i'm not gonna pretend it wasn't deserved a good chewing uh it was definitely out of my normal behavior i'm normally not a very loud person so my my leadership was like what is going on like you need to really tell us because like you can't keep on acting like this or like Mm-hmm. Um, so I explained to them what's going on and this actually gets me in contact with my company commander's wife who happened to be a disfellowshipped Jehovah's Witness 
Um, and she was pivotal to giving me perspective about kind of like what happened in my life, like what also happens with other ex Jehovah's witnesses. Mm -hmm. Um, and also kind of like, honestly, like, like even just talking to herself, it kind of made me realize like, oh, my brother's not going to stop talking to me. Like I I'm fine. My parents were probably not going to stop talking to me either. For her, she was disfellowshipped and her parents had not talked to her and at that point in time, 11 years. Oh. Yeah. Um, wow. And like, it, like obviously like not just to like compare, but like also like just give me that perspective of it could have been a lot worse. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was just, it kind of like actually made me a bit grateful that being raised as one Jehovah's Witnesses was definitely not the best but it did also make me really realize that you know like actually i got i came out of here pretty nicely compared to Mm. how it usually goes for people trying Mm -hmm. to leave the jehovah's witnesses yeah that's still shocking that that much fear what it can make people do like not talk to their children for for 11 years or you know for you having that fear of is my brother gonna just stop mm-hmm. talking to me because he's still in this yeah that was definitely a big fear at the time but well he ended up joining the marine corps himself a couple years later so you know i guess i won't paving the way marky <laughs> <laughs> yes. way to go <laughs> so coming out of this group you joined the marines you were kind of trying to figure out how to do things on your own now after I mean, not really being able to do that and like make your own decisions, your own, you know, what you believe is the right way to do things, boundaries per se. So how did you figure out what your boundaries were? And you had to do that in the Marines, which is not an easy feat, let me tell you. No, definitely not. I would say like overall that to be completely honest, like sometimes I find myself still struggling, like trying to figure out like, all right, am I supposed to be an asshole here? Am I being an asshole at all? Or am I just like having my own boundaries? Being um, yeah. Uh, I would say something that did help quite a lot with that was um, when I got started going to therapy and they started doing um, cogn- cognitive behavior- behavioral therapy, uh, CBT. Um, that just kind of helped me kind of like not even so much with the religion itself but kind of some of like the residual effects of like you have to be a doormat essentially um like yeah you're not allowed to have your own beliefs and whatnot it kind of helped me to recognize oh okay I, I don't like even with subjects outside the job's witnesses i'm allowed to think this way even if everyone else right. doesn't think this way uh-huh. um so Having that was your something that was pretty helpful <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I guess there were a lot of kind of like residual, kind of like almost like personality. I don't want to call them like failures, but like just like little personality twitches or kind of like perspective twitches that I needed just to figure out like how to like to even to a certain point of like, oh, how to make small talk with people. Um, like some, right. I still have a, like a hard time with that. None of us are good at that, honey. <laughs> small talk nobody likes it but we all have to do it (laughs) yeah yeah the Jehovah's Witnesses were pretty good about that like 
socializing before and after the meetings, but it was always so awkward for me because I never felt like I was being genuine, in which the reality okay. was I wasn't really being genuine at the time because I just, I had to kind of just, yeah, 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 uh -huh, <laughs> um, uh -huh. mm -hmm. yeah, I guess it's also kind of like learning how to be myself around other people because I, I, I guess in all, like, to be frank, I kind of being a child, I was always just kind of pretending to mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. believe in something that I wasn't really believing in. I, I feel like I'm getting better at that little by little. I remember the first time I was being exposed to people in other religions when I went to a secular college, which was a big deal. I can talk mm -hmm. about that later. <laughs> but <laughs> realizing that other people had religions and that I didn't have to evangelize to them constantly in every conversation that I had with them. I could just ask them like what their favorite pizza topping was and that was allowed. <laughs> this was like a big deal for me to learn. <laughs> the small talk <laughs> with non-Christian people. It, like, oh my gosh, they also like TV? What do they watch? <laughs> like... <laughs> I just remember discovering that other religions existed and what they believed wasn't evil and they weren't all like hateful, sinning, horrible people. And I could just like interact with them. I just remember that being like a really big deal for me leaving. So I feel like it would be kind of shocking when you're trying to decide, oh, I have opinions about stuff. I'm allowed to have opinions about stuff. And it doesn't have to match what everybody else has. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would I would kind of relate to like, oh, like other people believe in Jesus too. Um or kind what? of like the whole idea of like Joker. not all other religions were like this evil image of uh -huh. Babylon the Great that Jesus yeah. kept portraying all other religions as. But when you're kept in that bubble of you're not allowed to talk to anybody outside of this religion. You're only told what's in this building and everything. You don't, you don't know that. You don't get to experience that. You're not like, ah, other people are a-okay. Yeah, there are some assholes, but pretty much everyone else is fine. So that's a, I mean, that'll throw you for a loop in and of itself. Recently, the Jehovah's Witnesses uh, have come out with new light, which is essentially like when they change their doctrine, oh. they call it new light. Yeah. So like oh, anything the governing that. body says, yeah. Oh, you can change like, your doctrine. That sounds like a reliable, credible source. <laughs> Go on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, within the past few months, they have modified it to when the great tribulation comes, people can call upon Jehovah's name at the very last second. Um, and then I've also heard my mom uh -huh. say that you can even call upon Jehovah's name during the great tribulation, and then you can still be saved potentially depending. Um, it's kind of, it seems like when I so try to look into it, it interpretation. Looks, yeah, it looks really ambiguous. It's kind of like, I'm not exactly, I feel like they made that modification kind of to appease people that might've had the same thought of as me as. Well, if Jehovah continues to wait, then the ratio of worldly people to Jehovah's right. Witnesses continues to rise. It's like Jehovah doesn't want to kill more people. That's what they say, but you know, mm -hmm. like 
I, I think they had to make that modification just to make that click. How handy that you can just change your doctrine at a whim. You know, the wind blows, we should change this. It's handy there, isn't it? Yeah. We, should, we, like... we could have a whole episode on the yellow flags that I see when doctrines are changing in Christian religions and sects of things like this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I have a question. Oh, what's that? Was celebrating Christmas, or did you celebrate Christmas at my parents' house one year? Was that your first time? Let's see. I would consider the first time I celebrated Christmas kind of probably when I was in the Marine Corps. Um, like it wasn't really traditional, so to speak. I guess I would consider like the more like okay, I actually celebrated Christmas. Uh, it was when I came back to the states. I celebrated Christmas with my non-Jehovah's Witness relatives. Um, uh, at that point, uh, a lot of my cousins had kids by that point and, you know, they were super excited to see, uh, their grandpa as Santa and, oh my gosh, like, it was so ridiculous guys. I started bawling a little bit cause it, <laughs> I mean, oh. who wouldn't, it's your first like, time. So <laughs> uh, yeah, I just got like very emotional. I'm just like man this is really awkward <laughs> um that's so precious yeah yeah because i wasn't trying to get like i didn't want them to like be mad at my dad potentially because there was a little bit of contention between my relatives and my dad when he became one of joe's witnesses because he's supposed to convert them also that they that way they would all be saved but they're like right this looks like a cult you need to get out <laughs> yeah uh, he, yeah he yeah very much good um but yeah I, I i've had like more than one experience like that and it's so awkward but i just mm. like i see like a kid having like a birthday party or something it's just like oh how sweet <laughs> so when was your first Marky. birthday celebration yeah. um how old that were you when that finally happened uh i would say let's see I did turn 19 when I was in boot camp, but I wasn't going to say anything to the drill instructors because yeah, that's right. how you get fucked up. You don't want to tell <laughs> Right. Um, but I would say like my first actual birthday, I was uh, underway on ship. I turned 20 and I got like a box of cookies with Aww. white paper wrapped around it and they drew like birthday dicks on it and stuff. <laughs> okay next time we're all together we're throwing you a birthday party it's happening oh, whether it's your birthday or not we're, we're fucking yeah, going we're ham. just gonna, we're gonna have a party to make up for all the birthdays i'm a person that loves oh, I appreciate birthdays, that. mine and other people's so if you give me an inch i will take a mile and we will have a party <laughs> And I hate oh, birthdays, I but this is that. sad, so we're throwing you a birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> I love that. Okay, Marky, wow. thank you so much for talking with us today. Do you have any experiences that you want to share that could be beneficial for others to know about? Either people that are also coming out of this Jehovah's Witness, maybe are still in it, are thinking about joining any of those areas of life. Any experiences you want to share? I, I do have some to say. Like, obviously, I'm not like 
I'm not going to like recommend everyone just join the military in order to get away from a culty religion, but I mean, um, <laughs> it's a way. But I would worked out swimmingly it, for it's you. A <laughs> <laughs> it's a way, but um, I would say probably try to find the path of least resistance. I, I would also say like don't underestimate the damage that could be done if people were to find out like oh like she does not believe anymore something along those lines. Um, I do think it's super important to establish a network before leaving. Like, even if that means you have to wait it out a little mm. bit longer, like mm-hmm. given that you're not like in imminent danger, of course, if you're like in the process of trying to relieve a cult-like religion, the first thing you probably to like make priority is how are you going to essentially like mentally support yourself? Cause it is, mm-hmm at least for the Jehovah's Witnesses, almost like a borderline good thing, a a good borderline like good aspect about it is there's no easy way out, which means that you're going to have to actually confront someone when trying to leave. Because if you just try to fade out, which a lot of people do try to do that, that's how you get the elder showing up at your house over and over and over again. Oh boy. Um, So eventually you have to be upfront about it at some point. I, I think it like, I don't know, like it kind of just, you kind of like it, if like you foresee problems when you get out, such as like just not having any friends, like definitely try <laughs> to the best of your ability to mm-hmm. find some sort of solution to just to like try to support yourself. Um, Cause it's, it's, I don't, I couldn't imagine doing it alone. I know a lot of people yeah. I, I know some people have committed suicide after being, after being disfellowshipped and I, mm. it's just not like a really good place to be, like just feeling super alone. Yeah. No, I love that advice. If you are trying to leave something like this or the Jehovah's Witness specifically, make sure you have a network and a support system. Make sure you're taking care of your mental health. I feel like that's true for anybody that's part of a weird religious community. You need to take mm-hmm. care of your mental health because mm-hmm. there are people that care about you and God actually does love you and he can take care of you and help you with stuff. So just like definitely find somebody that's trustworthy and don't be alone. You can t- come talk to Absolutely. us. Come talk to us on the podcast. We'll listen to you. We love you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay. Any final thoughts or advice you want to plug? I would say, like, I don't know, like, I guess for anyone trying to find a religion, if they start telling you, like, hey, like, you're going to be one of us now. You don't need to talk to these people anymore. It it might be a cult. You know. (laughs) Questionable decision. Yeah, Yeah, if it starts, yeah, seeing, like, anything that starts seeming questionable and you're not allowed to question it, that that might also be a cult. I, uh, Zero to ten, recommend the Jehovah's Witnesses. Like, <laughs> big no. <laughs> I love that you said that at the I end. I love too. that. It's my favorite. It's just like I would never think to rate a religious community on like a scale of one to ten. But after hearing someone's story, I'm like, all right, you have the right to rate the story. <laughs> like, <laughs> you have the right to rate this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I guess one thing I would say is like. You know, I gave the Jones Witnesses zero out of ten, but 
like sometimes I was, I remember being a kid, I was like, man, like when I had to be born as one of those witnesses, now I can't celebrate birthdays. But like when I learned about Scientology, I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. Well, uh-huh. good thing I wasn't born to. <laughs> It could have been worse. Um, Oh yeah. Oh my. Yeah. That would be bad. That's that's a topic for a whole nother episode right there. All in and of itself. Cassie, take notes. (laughs) That's a whole different trip for another rocket ship. Thank you, friends. Oh indeed. Thank you for joining us today, Marky. It's been super cool to have you. Yeah, thank you so much for for joining us. Yeah, of Of course. Of course um thank you guys for listening as always everyone on the other side of this microphone as always if you would like to reach out to us share your story send us an email um we have our website shortskirtsongscripture.com we have instagram as well skirts and scripture or email us skirts and scripture at gmail.com can't wait to have you guys on the pod next time I, I honestly Purity lost where we are. We're on oh. Purity Culture. Thank you. <laughs>